Welcome to another episode of Team Anywhere, where CEOs, leaders, and experts at building teams, companies, organizations, and amazing cultures share how to lead from anywhere in the world. I'm your co-host on the East Coast, Judy Bianco Mathis. And I'm your co-host on the West Coast, Mitch Simon. And we invite you to join us to Team Anywhere. When was the last time you had an Emmy Award-winning broadcast journalist coach you on how to look great on camera? On today's episode, Karen Reed, author of Suddenly Virtual, Making Remote Meetings Work, will share her wisdom on how to be effective in looking great, sounding great, and creating great participation during your virtual and hybrid encounters. Welcome. This is Ginny Bianco Mathis, and welcome to another episode of Team Anywhere. I'm on the East Coast, and I am with my partner, Mitch Simon, on the West Coast. And we are very excited today to have a special guest, um, Karen Reed, who is an Emmy Award winning broadcast journalist. <sighs> this is the most esteemed wonderful person we've had on the show. No, that that is a, a wonderful um, accomplishment. And she's now gone into consulting in the field of communications in the world of business. And we all know we certainly need that. Welcome, Karen. Thank you for having me, Jenny and Mitch. I'm uh, delighted to have this conversation. I'm sure it's going to be a lot of fun and hopefully enlightening for your audience as well. Oh, yes, it welcome. will be. Welcome, Karen. And for those, you know, this is a uh, this is an audio podcast. But if you were watching, you would think you would be you're watching the like the ABC or the NBC News Live. Oh, that, fabulous. Karen, you have an incredible presence. Well, I thank know. you. You're very kind. But I don't think they'd have pictures of my kids <laughs> behind me on set at yeah, ABC or I have to say NBC because that is where I worked for all those years. Yeah. Oh, wonderful. Well, uh, let's start where we do with most of our guests, which is it's been quite a journey for all of us the past two years. What has it been like for you? What have you learned? It's been like drinking from the fire hose. <laughs> because just to give you a bit of background, so as mentioned, I was a broadcast journalist for the majority of my early career, uh, but I left the business in 2004 to apply my skills in the corporate world. So often I would be brought in as the professional on-camera spokesperson. But what I saw happening more and more often is they would bring in people from the corner office or the corner cubicle to appear on camera alongside of me and expect them to perform the same level of skill. Uh. That often did not go over so well. So I recognized a business opportunity to teach people who never imagined they'd have to be good on-camera communicators how to be one. Uh, so that was about a decade ago. And I wrote my first book, On-Camera Coach, in 2017 to kind of you know, reach that, uh, that need and, and fill in that skill gap. Uh, but if you can imagine over the past year and a half, those on-camera communication skills have become mission critical. So my mm -hmm. business just boomed. And I had to figure out really quickly how to scale, scale my team and also scale my offerings. So that resulted in me adding some additional folks, but also creating an online training platform, uh, Speaker Dynamics University, uh, which allowed people to get at all of this knowledge that they suddenly really, really needed badly to be able to get business done. 
Fabulous. Well, I'm going to be tuning into that very quickly. Excellent. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Speaker right. Dynamics University. Check it out. Yes. Yes. Well, a more immediate reason we're excited to have you is you uh, have co-written a book with Joseph Allen yeah. entitled Suddenly Virtual, which has incredible meaning and it's pertinent to us all today. So can you share what the book is about, why you wrote it, and, and why it's of value to leaders and organizations? Absolutely. Well, thank you for asking me about it. And Joe Allen is one of my favorite people in the universe. So our collaboration has been just such a joy. So really, Suddenly Virtual is designed to be a database guide uh, to making virtual meetings better. So it combines both areas of expertise of ours. Joe Allen is one of the foremost thought leaders in meeting science. Uh, that is indeed a thing. And uh, he has uh, you know, quite a reputation in that area. Uh, I'm an on-camera communication expert. So we were actually brought together uh, for a webinar the first week of March, 2020, talking about the modern meeting and what's, what it's going to be like in three, five, 10 years from now. So we talked about how, how virtual meetings will become a, a thing and video will be at its core. Well, what happened the second week of March, 2020, all the things that we predicted would happen in three, five, 10 years out happened like overnight. So, so we thought, okay, this is really interesting and serendipitous that we were brought together for this webinar. And we found that we complemented each other really well. So a couple uh, months into it, we, we kind of reconvened and said, hey, is there a way that we can amplify this message? Because there's such a need for this kind of information. Uh, so I had written my first book, went to my publisher and said, hey, we have an idea for a second book. What do you think? Uh, and they said, we love it. Can you write it in six weeks? Right. <laughs> Literally. We're like, it was needed yesterday. Wow. Exactly. Exactly. And, we, and I said, I think we can. And, uh, you know, like the little engine that could, we, we did. Uh, and the book uh, came together. It's been really well received. And that's been very gratifying to, to see because it kind of hit at the right time. Uh, you know, a lot of yeah. people you know, initially they're like, okay, what can we do to make things work now? So they, you know, grabbed all these different tools and they just kind of went into emergency mode uh, for virtual meetings. But the book came out in March of this year when people finally realized these virtual meetings are not going away. We need <laughs> to figure out how to do them better. Uh, and so the book really does provide that science-based practical application that I think a lot of people were craving. Yes, for sure. Um, and I have a copy and, and am reading it very closely. So as we look at exactly what you're talking about, certain leaders, uh, business leaders were following some quote unquote best practices before COVID hit, then COVID hit. And now they're in the situation that you described. What are, you know, your two to three main considerations, uh, that you think leaders must keep in mind now going forward? Well, the one thing I would uh, do is quote Joe. He says, you know, meeting best practices are common sense, a lot of them, but they're uncommonly practiced. So, so when you talk about there are leaders who do follow them, they're probably few and far between, which is really unfortunate because 
most meetings are bad before they became worse and virtual and hybrid. It's going to be a total mess. <laughs> so it's kind of like, let's get back to basics. And first, let's apply the best meeting practices of old. And that's things like creating and socializing an agenda in, in advance, you know, make it relevant for those who are going to be attending so that they know what to expect. And they actually invest the time and energy once you get into the meeting. Uh, come prepared. Uh, make sure that you don't kind of leave it to chance because all of those flaws that you might have been able to cover up in person, uh, you can't do it as easily if you're mm -hmm. in a virtual setting. And then start and end on time. That seems basic, but how many meetings have you had in this COVID way of life where you've been running over or people have come late to your meeting and it just kind of gets everything off track because you have these back-to-back-to-back -back -back meetings, very little time for recovery, if any, and it, it becomes that digital exhaustion that we all have talked about where we're just in these meetings, you know, nonstop and having not a whole lot of time to get actual work done. Uh, so, so that's going back to basics is the step number one. Um, the next thing I would say, be really careful to attend to is just participation. And it's going to be mm -hmm. even more challenging when you're in a hybrid environment, because for example, whenever you are all meeting in person, that's creating one network of people. If you're all meeting virtually, that's creating one network of people. If you have a hybrid situation, then you're talking about three people in one conference room here, three people in one conference room here, and five people attending in their own individual Brady Bunch boxes. How do you get everybody to talk to each other? How do you make sure that you have even participation across the board? That's going to be really the, the sticking point that I see as, as a real issue as we head into hybrid meetings. And do you have some advice for that? I do. I mean, a lot of it is making sure that uh, leaders know that there is a potential pitfall here and that attendees know that it's, it's also up to them to make sure that their voice is heard. So, you know, a couple of things that you can do as a leader is perhaps consider bringing somebody into the room uh, who can serve as the moderator facilitator, somebody who is not the decision maker, but rather the person who is just making sure that everybody's voice is heard at the table, whether they are physically at the table or virtually at the table. Uh, so it's a matter of like considering possibly having some new roles that are created yes. in this hybrid space, right. uh, making sure that you uh, rethink participation. You know, participation might be speaking up verbally, but it also can be leaning into the chat function. You know, in this environment, sometimes it can be intimidating to speak up. Uh, it can also be difficult to get the attention of the person who is kind of facilitating the discussion. So if yeah. you put it into chat, uh, then you have a little bit more time to think about what you're trying to say uh, and to make sure it comes out the way you want it to. Uh, but it also, you know, allows people who might kind of, you know, sit in the background, not say anything, have a different way to get the word out. And yeah. then it's up to the leader though, to attend to it because you don't want to say, please use the chat function and never look at it. So it's up to the leader to go in and attend to that chat and kind of try to incorporate it into habits. the yeah. verbal discussion. Exactly. Okay. You know, a lot of it. So a lot of it is, um, is, is facilitation skills. And I remember when I began my career here in leadership development and someone said, well, you really need some facilitation skills. And I said, of course, what's that? And <laughs> so, um, what are some other great facilitation skills that you, uh, that you're helping, um, your clients with so that they, 
they even have just the mindset of how, of what facilitation is and how to kind of create that environment in a meeting. So one of the things that I just heard recently, I can't take, um, credit for it, but I think it's a great idea is to favor the remote person first, uh, because that allows them to kind of, uh, you know, set the precedent for I am here. I have uh, some input to share and it shows that they're valued right from the beginning. Uh, you know, when Joe and I were talking about how both of us have experienced a situation where prior to COVID, we've had to do, you know, hybrid meetings or in my case, hybrid workshops. And we realize at the end that we have almost completely blown off the person who was at that time, like dialing in. Uh, that's a real danger. So if you make it a precedent to uh, have the remote person have um, the first shot <laughs> at sharing their opinion, that kind of gets you started off in the right way. I would also suggest constantly be thinking about getting people to do stuff <laughs> because that's the biggest challenge with these meetings, especially if you're, if you're remote is we want to take the default position of passive observer. It's how we've been conditioned to interact with screens. We, we watch TV, we watch a movie, but we now want people to be active participants through screens. So it's a matter of getting people to do stuff. So I would say lean into using tools of the platform. So, you know, use polling. Uh, not only does it give you a, a quick snapshot into how people feel about things, but it also gets them to do something. You know, you, you have to get a, a direct response. You know, also, as mentioned, lean into the chat function heavily. Um, and it can be also something that can be used um, to get uh, that quick, uh, you know, response. So for example, I, I do a section where I, I show a, a clip of somebody speaking and I say, how long do you think that pause was? Put it in chat. And they'll write down, you know, three seconds, four seconds, two minutes, you know, and, and, and then you kind of like verbalize that as it comes in and it makes it dynamic Yeah, as you're in the midst of that, of that meeting itself. I would say use the reactions that are on the platform. You know, those quick emoji reactions, the thumbs up, you know, you know, that's always fun. If you have a small enough group, you know, get those, you know, visual responses, you know, where you have a thumbs up, thumbs down, or, you know, in the middle, just always be seeking ways to get people to have an opportunity to have a voice. And sometimes it's like a voice opportunity, literally speaking up. Sometimes it's just having, um, you know, a voice opportunity uh, where you're voicing your opinion, but in nonverbal ways. Uh, you told me a, a fascinating story where um, you were sharing some of these ideas and a CEO said, oh, oh my people really need this. And uh, and then when you suggested, well, you might want to be part of learning some of these new skills. What happened? Well, he was like, ah, you know what? It's good for my people, but I don't think I need it. You know, yeah. and, and I do hear that quite often, which I think is kind of interesting. But obviously, if you are in a C-level position, you have an awful lot on your plate uh, and you have so many competing priorities. However, what I would suggest is that you are setting the standard for your entire organization. And if you show up to a meeting, uh, not looking and sounding your best, not uh, really looking like you are invested in what is going on. So that's even like the posture of involvement. If people are like this, which I, it's audio, you can't see, but if you're not looking at the camera and you're looking to the side and you very yes. obviously are multitasking, what signal are you sending to your your employees that this really doesn't matter. And it almost gives them license to do the same. Uh, but it is so critical that the, the standard be set at the top because you have to protect your corporate brand and you have to protect your personal brand. Yes. So it can be something as 
basic as attending to your personal production value. And that's um, how you show up on, on webcam and, and how you sound on webcam. There are so many uh, C-level executives who I've met with who have terrible audio where, you know, it's going in and out or it's crackly or it's super hollow because they're in, you know, a home office that has high ceilings and, and hardwood floors and the sound is echoing all over the place. That impacts how people perceive you. And it certainly makes it more difficult for people to receive your message in full. Uh, so you want to make sure that you try to show up as close to the in-person experience as possible, which means you want people to be able to easily read your facial expressions, put some light on your face. Don't sit there in shadow. Uh, you know, people can, can't read your body language that way. You know, make sure that your audio is crisp and clear. Uh, and that's something that's often overlooked because we can't hear ourselves, right? Yes. Karen. Yes. So listen to your, tape yourself and listen to yourself. Or get on the call with a close colleague or friend uh -huh. who's going to be candid with you and be like, you sound like you're talking from a tin can. <laughs> yeah. So Karen, I want to ask you a question. What I'm noticing, and, and of course, this is audio, what I'm noticing is that when you're speaking to uh, to us on uh, when you're actually speaking to us, your eyes are focused right on me as if you are looking at me. And I'm just wondering how you're doing that, because I know that <laughs> I know that for me and for most of our listeners, when we're talking to someone, when we're when we're on camera, we're looking at their picture and it doesn't look like we're like we're looking at them. So I'm wondering, number one is what camera do you have? And number two, how have you done that? So you look like you're looking at us. I know well, it's a really, it's a silly question, but it's, it's, it's so not powerful. A silly question. It, Mitch, this is actually a, a, a huge part of the way you communicate when you're on video, because it is critical that when you speak with impact, that you're speaking through the camera lens, because the camera is the conduit to your conversation partner. So it goes against every natural impulse that you have because we want to look at our people and our people right. are on the screen. Right. But unfortunately, the camera's not embedded in the screen yet. Please, I've been talking to enough vendors where I'm like, please create something that allows that to be the case. Right. Until yeah. we're there, you know, you have to remember that it's not about you. It's about how you're making people on the other side feel. So you pointed out, Mitch, that when I'm looking at my camera, which I, I use a Logitech Brio, um, I've used many different um, cameras, but I, I like the Brio a lot. I also like the Lo 920. Yes. The Logitech. So and for our listeners, the Logitech Brio. Yes. And did you have another one? Uh, I also like the Logitech 920, but I would say just look for, I mean, I, I'm not getting a cut on this. <laughs> These are just things that I use. Uh, and I think that is helpful. There are a lot of good vendors out there, but Logitech is kind of like the um, the one that's been leading the way. Uh, so I've been using it for, for years and years. But, uh, you know, really, no matter what camera you have, you need to remember that that is the way you're going to reach your people is by looking into the camera lens. So for me, I think about, okay, how does it feel to Mitch and Jenny whenever I'm talking to them? Well, I want them to feel like I am, you know, focusing on them. So I'm going to look through the camera because that's, that's how they're going to receive my message best. Yes. Um, how long, how long does that take? To, because so, this is so freaky because she's really looking at us. So how long does it take? Because I'm, I'm practicing it right now. I'm looking at my green dot and I know that 
it's still not in the right placement because I've actually tested this before. Yeah, because you're looking up. I'm still, right, I'm not, I think I need to look right there on my That's screen. That's where you need to look. Yeah, so what, yeah, the, here's right what there. I would probably want to play around with your camera placement. So okay. ideally, your camera should be at eye level. So that means that when you stare straight ahead, you should be able to draw a level line from your eyeballs to your camera lens. Uh, okay. If it's going up, it's going to be a little bit off. If, it, if it's going down, it's going to be off. So you want it to be level. Uh, okay. and, and so where is yours right now, Mitch? I'm just curious. It's too uh, low. All right. It's too low. Exactly. Yeah. So, so here we go. Okay, now, yep. Yep. And then another quick tip that I can offer you and the folks who are listening is to make sure that you sit high in the frame. So that means you want uh, to have a little bit of space between your top of your head and the top of the frame, and then equal amount between your shoulders and the edges of the screen. So a good trick to try is the three finger test. If you take three fingers and you stack them on top of your head, that's the amount of space that you want to have between the top of your head and the top of the screen. So if you have more than that, then you need to kind of uh, square off the camera and point it more towards be, uh, the, the wall behind you. If you have too little, if you're cutting off the top of your head, then adjust it up a little bit. But that what you're doing by by fixing your framing is you're creating as close to an in-person experience as possible. So when we're talking to people face-to-face, -face, we don't look them up from head to toe, look up and down the entire time. Right, right. right. But right. take in the information from about this amount of space where like from mid chest up. So you want to give the same canvas to your virtual conversation partners as you would to your face-to-face -face ones. Great. Um, and, and for and, those and, of you and, listening, we, uh, we look like crooked Crooked Boy Scouts here. Yeah, uh, yeah. Three, three fingers, three fingers. Yeah. three fingers on top of our heads. And I'm, but, and I swear it's, you know, I'm looking at Ginny and of course, Karen's a professional. Right. And I'm even looking at myself, very unprofessional. Yes. And it makes a big difference. Yes, everyone do try this at home. Do yeah. try this at home, yes. Yes, yeah, no, it's, it's very helpful. Because it gives you more ways to communicate your message. Yeah. And, and so I, I see it, you know, back to the whole idea of what leaders are perhaps not doing all the time. They're not really thinking about it a lot. No. Yeah. And, and, and they're putting themselves at a deficit because they primarily are going to have to lead through the lens. And that means they want to be able to communicate in full. Uh, and the only way you can do that is if you can be easily seen, you have good audio, you don't have a distracting background, uh, and, and you just pay a little bit of attention to it. Uh, I love that phrase you use, Karen, lead through the lens. Mm. That's fabulous. Lead through the lens, the next book. Yeah. <laughs> Sponsored by Logitech Rio. Right yeah, <laughs> I'd like to move to another uh, great portion of your book, which talks about uh, how leaders can build their organizational cultures through uh, virtual communication. Uh, can you talk about that some? You know, it, it's, it's interesting that you mentioned that because that's one of the things that we have seen there be uh, it, kind of a recession of that to some degree because culture is, is so amorphous and a lot of it does happen by serendipity, right? You know, there, there can be some, you know, very focused efforts made to create a certain culture, but, but the way it's kind of cultivated is often through those, uh, what we would call social lubrication, you know, the, the, the moments of, you know, meeting in the hall or, or, you know, catching up in the break room whenever you're virtual or even when you're hybrid and you don't have everybody, you know, in the same physical space at one time, you miss out on a lot of those opportunities. And what has happened whenever everybody went virtual is that we lost a lot of the humanity. 
<laughs> in our meetings. You know, instead, you know, people would would get onto you know Zoom, Teams, WebEx, whatever it was, and it was so abrupt that people just went immediately into the agenda if there was one, if we were lucky and there was one, and they would just get to the the business at hand. But there was no opportunity for those kind of casual small talk non-business related discussions that actually are critical in building culture and fostering rapport and establishing, you know, all of those good connections. And that's important, not just from a social standpoint, but also from, uh, for business outcomes, you know, meaning research indicates that all of that informal small talk ahead of time actually does lead to better business results. So for leaders, if they're they're worried about their culture, I would say inject more humanity into your meetings, make time for it. Uh, but don't do it in, in such a contrived way that it feels yeah. more like you're you're working too hard <laughs> to, to have casual conversation. So I mean, it can be low stakes sort of stuff. Um, you know, it doesn't have to be long, you know, and that just helps though to keep those ties, uh, you know, built. Uh, and the other thing I would also say is focus on those small group meetings and on those one-to-one meetings. Because if you, if you have an all hands meeting, you've got like oodles of people on the screen, you know, that's not really fostering culture. Uh, that, that is, you know, information transfer more or less. Uh, but it's the, the, the smaller communication opportunities, uh, that really help to keep those ties, um, you know, bound. And would you, would you offer, um, for those, for a CEO who obviously has a lot of people on their team Hmm. or even for a team leader who might have, let's say 10 or 13 individuals, what what I've heard is, you know what? I just don't have time for that. I just don't have time to, 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 um, have meetings with all my people. Now I encourage, um, these leaders to have five minute meetings. Right. Um, exactly. I'm just wondering what, what, what type of, um, what have you found has been helpful for people to stay connected in this virtual environment? Well, and what I would say is if they don't have time from those individual meetings, do they have time for the culture of their, their team to suffer and their team cohesion to be lost? I would say that would be the bigger danger. So, I mean, I would really, uh, lean into it because communication from a, is really critical, uh, virtually and, and especially hybrid as well. So I love the idea of the shorter meetings and that actually plays into our results that we found in suddenly virtual, that the best meetings are shorter and more purpose-driven and have the right people in the room. So, you know, make time to have those five minute meetings, or I would say maybe like seven minute meetings just to give a little bit of time to kind of ease into the conversation a bit. But those quick check-ins really make a big difference. Or, you know, set up office hours, virtual office hours where uh, people can, you know, schedule time or pop in and, you know, just, just say hi, because that people are craving that connection, you know, on, on both ends. And, you know, if you don't make the time to do it, there's a, there's a real risk there. Totally. So looking towards the future, and, and as you said, uh, you sort of described it, you got three people here, two people there, some online. So what is your key advice now for next year? Here's what you need to concentrate on. Yeah. Well, obviously, you know, hybrid is, is kind of the, the key word that we're hearing, uh, a lot and, and all surveys indicate that that's the way we are heading. Um, you know, I don't, 
see it as being a fully remote, uh, you know, model. I don't see it as being necessarily fully in-person model, you know, with exceptions on both ends, right? But I think the majority of folks will will demand a hybrid situation. Uh, you know, there's a lot of reasons why, uh, you know, some of them can be, um, you know, financial, it, you know, it's an opportunity to reduce the physical footprint, it's an opportunity to cut down on uh, travel costs. <laughs> uh, and then there's also the idea of flexibility, a lot of workers are really craving that flexibility. Uh, and it, it'll be a retention tool, you know, if you're not willing to go hybrid, you may lose people who will go to another place that will. So, what should you be doing as you're preparing for this hybrid uh, scenario? I would say, of course, you need to invest in the proper tools. Uh, so that's both a software and hardware issue, as well as just the, the physical design of your meeting spaces. And I know there's been a tremendous amount of capital investment to do this. And there are really smart people who are coming up with some really cool tools. Uh, so that's exciting to see. But the one gap I'm worried about is uh, training, <laughs> because a lot of times there are organizations that will say, OK, we're going to buy all of this best in class stuff. Yeah. But they don't train people on how to use it. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I have gone into you know, a coaching session and I'll be like, what is up with your your video? Like, it's really, really grainy. And they're like, oh, yeah, they sent me a webcam, but it's in my closet. Um, I never took it out of the box. I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah. So I'm spending time unboxing you know, their webcam and helping them to plug it in. This is not an unusual situation. This happens all the time. So I think you have to, you know, properly equip, but then properly train. And then there's also the, the idea of training people on how to work hybrid. Uh, you know, facilitation, Mitch, you talked about that. Facilitating a hybrid meeting is hard and it it's is. not going to be innate. So help your leaders to know how to do that well. Uh, and then also coach people on how to properly attend a, a hybrid meeting uh, and, and let them understand, you know, what the rules are. There are um, lots of organizations that are creating team agreements uh, so they know how Absolutely. to handle those, yeah, those, those meetings and, and they agree upon kind of the, the rules of, of, of play. And that makes a big, big difference. And I would do that before you even start trying to have these meetings or else they're going to be a mess. <laughs> mm-hmm. Those are those are fabulous, fabulous. And I love your example of, you know, it's in the closet. And so now you're sitting there with them, open the box. And as I'm laughing, I'm also realizing that's what it takes. Yes. Yeah. Right. And even if you could get the leader to say, here it is. Let's open the box. <laughs> right, right. Or, you know, just actually have your IT folks say, okay, we're going to do a mandatory half hour webinar. And I'm going to walk you through the process of unboxing this and plugging the stuff in and, and clicking the right boxes. Because, I mean, to their defense, if they're using multiple platforms, um, it, it can be hard to figure out, okay, what has the platform selected? A certain right. A certain right. platform that I know always tries to default me to the wrong audio input. And I'm like, yes. no, I don't want to use that microphone. I want to use this one. So you have to have a little bit of know-how to figure that out. And as mentioned, you can't hear yourself. So you don't realize that it's chosen the wrong audio input for oh, you. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we've had that happen. So Karen, what's your next book about? Oh, thank you for asking. Uh, it's called Suddenly Hybrid. 
Oh, well, that makes sense. Yes. Suddenly hybrid. And how suddenly will we get this book? (laughs) Well, ideally it will come out uh, January of 2022. But the funny thing was, um, you know, we received a lot of press attention for the book, which was fabulous. But but a lot of people were asking us about hybrid and they wanted to use excerpts from the book. And so uh, we were talking to our executive editor at Wiley and we said, uh, you know, is it okay to use this? And I said, hey, Joe, do we have additional data and information that isn't in the book? And he's like, yeah, we could write a book about it. And then our executive editor said, don't tease me. And then, right. and then it just kind of one thing led to the another. So yeah, we're excited. So that's our current, our current research is being done around hybrid, watching all of this unfold and hopefully giving people some, some more data-based um, best practices uh, in January, 2022. Oh, that would be great. So we're going to have to have you back. I'd love that. that. <laughs> so in the meantime, how can our listeners get in touch with you? Awesome. Thank you for asking. So speakerdynamics.com, that is my uh, home for the consulting and coaching practice, but it also is a great way to uh, buy the book, uh, you know, suddenly virtual or on camera coach, suddenly hybrid next year. Uh, And also if people are interested in learning more about how they can, you know, go through a micro course, self-paced, you know, online training, uh, Speaker Dynamics University is also housed there. So you can click on that. And and, I'm almost scared. I'm scared to go to it. This is something that, you know, can help you grow and and, and it's, it can be self-graded. So you're, you're not, putting yourself in a situation where people are on the other side are going to say, boo, Jenny, boo, <laughs> you know, because it, a lot, it's not difficult to learn, but it's not something that most people would innately know. That's right. This has just been so enlightening and delightful. Oh. You have been a role model. This is fantastic. Thank you so much for being with us today. Oh, uh, Mick, I'm going to throw it over to you to wrap it up. Yeah, thank you, Karen. This has been an utter delight. Um, as we said before the podcast, we heard you on another podcast and we're like, okay, we have to, have to get Karen on. This has been sensational. And I'm really, really curious about Suddenly Hybrid uh, because I know when that book comes out, that's exactly where people are going to be and they're going to have those issues. So thank you so much, Karen. We are definitely inviting you back on the program. And so for now, I want to thank um, thank you, Ginny. Thank all of our listeners. And uh, if you've loved this episode or any of the other episodes of Team Anywhere, please share this with your friends, colleagues, uh, partners, uh, f- uh, kids, because this is really important stuff right now. And we'll see you next week on another episode of Team Anywhere. Anywhere.